let's face it, you know, where, where the boundaries are to marketing also continue to get fuzzier. The uh, convergence between marketing and sales and marketing and customer service and people talking more about customer ops and that entire go-to-market stack rather than just the marketing stack. Uh, yeah, so you put all these things together in a cauldron and what you've got is, yeah, just all these forces it caused there to still be a tremendous amount uh, of innovation and startups in the MarTech space. You are listening to Stack and Flow, the sales and marketing technology cast with Sean Zinsmeister and John Wall. Hello and welcome to Stack and Flow. I'm John Wall. Today, Sean Zinsmeister is doing an event out in Chicago. He had some travel going on there, so he's not going to make it, but that's not going to hold us back. We are talking today to the busiest man in marketing, Scott Brinker. He's the creator of the MarTech 5000. Uh, he's also the chief advisor and one of the original founders for the MarTech event. They have their East and West events coming up soon. And then he's also the VP of Platform Ecosystem at HubSpot. Thanks for joining us, Scott. Yeah, great to be here again, John. Before we got on the call, you just mentioned that you came back from Beijing. And I was like, oh, hold that. I'd love to hear stories from Beijing. So what were you doing over there? Oh, my goodness. I was only there for about, uh, yeah, 36 hours. But uh, they were putting on a uh, marketing technology conference there. The MarTech space actually in China over the past couple of years has really caught fire. People have been sharing with me some of these uh, Chinese MarTech landscapes. It's like the uh, landscapes I put together, just this explosion of new companies in all these categories. As with everything else in China, things move fast in MarTech. Oh my God. So, well, maybe you didn't spend more hours in the plane than you spent there, but it was within 10 or 12 hours. That's yeah, it was, it was close. <laughs> oh, that is. And now is this affiliated with your MarTech show or this was something totally independent on the Chinese side? Yeah, totally independent on the Chinese side. Ah, wow. Very cool. Um, and how about, is there anything from that market that we should be aware of? You know, is competition becoming a thing or are they doing anything new or interesting that we should have our eyes on? It's fascinating. You know, I would say China is the one market in the MarTech industry that seems independent of the rest of the global marketing tech industry. Uh, it's actually very hard for the you know, global MarTech leaders to get much of a presence in China and vice versa. A lot of these uh, Chinese companies that are becoming incredibly big in the marketing industry there don't have any presence outside of China, but it's just such a huge economy, such a huge market. Yeah, somehow it actually seems to be working, at least for now, for that to be uh, yeah, a parallel universe uh, compared to MarTech everywhere else. Yeah, it is amazing. Do you, obviously state influence is a big part of that with you know being closed. I mean, we see even the biggest of the big guns trying to cut deals to get in there and make things work. Do you feel that it's more that infrastructure or is it just that it's so culturally different? I think it's both. And I've written a bit about this before. It's very interesting, the dynamics there too, with uh, companies like Tencent and Alibaba. We talk about the walled gardens here of Facebook and to a certain degree, Amazon, Google, but there's still a tremendous amount of independent MarTech competition that happens just through I mean, websites and mobile apps and email and all these sorts of things that aren't controlled by those walled gardens. Whereas in China, the dominance of things like WeChat as the interface in which people just do everything 
uh, companies like uh, Tencent and Alibaba just have so much strength and control over so many of these consumer interactions that it's it's shaped a very different kind of martech industry there than I think we've seen here in the U.S. Yeah, no, you you totally nailed that because there there's so many things we can unpack in there, but. So first and foremost, Tencent, it, it's just funny because we released Marketing Over Coffee this week, uh, talking with Angela Natividad about the esports uh, phenomenon, you know, everything that's going on over there. And Tencent came up there. I mean, it's just insane. When you look at the total spend in gaming, it's Tencent has a little more than a third of it. And then it's the rest of the entire gaming industry. I mean, Tencent has this massive a chunk of the industry that they've taken. And then WeChat too. Yeah, is the other thing where a couple of years ago, everybody was kind of thinking that Facebook Messenger would become the new internet because of what WeChat has done. And then that has become the default interface. But now with everything that's gone on with Facebook, you know, people are looking towards other platforms. You know, people are not as ready to just throw everything onto Facebook and not worry <laughs> about it anymore. And yeah, and that is something too we could trans- transition to a bit is, um, I wanted to ask you too about state of social. And so that's a good kind of jump on with that, with what you see with WeChat over there and Facebook over here. Kind of where's your head on that part of the industry? Yeah, you know, it's funny. So one of the reasons, uh, you know, I'm a- often asked about the crazy MarTech landscape graphic and why it continues to grow and why there continues to be new companies that enter the space, you know, that again, other things being equal, the default assumption is just, hey, large software markets should consolidate. And other things being equal, that's what they should do. But there's, there's a bunch of reasons why that doesn't happen to the degree I think most people would have expected in MarTech. And one of those reasons is the environment of digital marketing is still very much in flux. I mean, right, if you're a a creator of like social media marketing software, this is not a stable target. This thing is moving. If you're like, okay, well, it's all going to go through Facebook and it's going to work this way. And now you're like, or maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's a very interesting time where the hegemony of uh, companies like Facebook is you know, being called into question a bit. I mean, I, fundamentally, I think, you know, Facebook has, has so much strength, uh, you know, and has uh, a, a very strong future here. But I think it's also clear that the market is open to other ways of engaging. I guess, you know, I mean, the continued growth in Instagram is one example. Well, just sort of keep it between us that Facebook owns them. But uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see uh, over this next 12 months. I think you'll see some very interesting new uh, social plays coming out. Yeah, no, there's there's tons of stuff going. And then it's going to be great too with midterm elections to see oh God. what goes on. Yeah, and I think I've, I've mentioned this on Marketing Over Coffee, but not over here that I, I was doing a Facebook ad campaign about three weeks ago and I got tagged. It said, look, we consider this may be political content. So we're going to run you through this security check. And I literally had to send them a copy of my passport. Uh, I had to give them a physical mailing address and they snail mailed me sheet of paper with a code on it to verify. And, uh, you know, so identity management is just suddenly, uh, you know, a huge part of this compared to what it was last time around. So, yeah, it's just amazing how fast, you know, everything is changing. And so, yeah, that leads us right to the MarTech 5000. You know, we've on previous times on the show, you've brought us up to date with what's going on that. And of course, now it's actually over 5,000. So it continues to grow. But kind of where is this at for you? And even how still involved with it are you? Is it still a major part of what you're doing? Or is it just kind of it runs on its own and it does help feed everything else? 
Yeah, I wouldn't say it completely runs on its own, uh, but uh, certainly just given its scale, uh, you know, I've expanded my collaborations. Uh, you know, I worked this past year here again with Anand Talker, uh, who did a lot of the data research, uh, worked with a company called Blue Green uh, on the visualization this year. This was the first year I didn't actually assemble the thing in PowerPoint uh, and had <laughs> Blue Green actually assemble this, uh, you know, truly in Adobe uh, Creative Suite. Um, but yeah, it is, it is fascinating. And, you know, again, my, my answer to why this continues to grow is largely stayed the same. And it really comes down to, um, you know, three reasons. One is what we talked about, right? Marketing continues to evolve. Uh, and so there's just new opportunities for entrepreneurs to have innovative ways of providing marketing technologies to take advantage of these new kinds of, uh, you know, consumer touch points. Uh, and better insights. Uh, but, you know, part of it is, uh, right, I mean, just the barriers to entry uh, in software just continue to get lower and lower. Um, I mean, anyone can build really amazing software at this point and, you know, have it uh, deployed on the, you know, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Azure, like this incredible global infrastructure, you know, for pennies. Um, and then there's a really interesting thing that's just happening with, you know, I mean, software in general, it's becoming, uh, uh, you know, these, these trends towards not just microservices, but, you know, techie things like, you know, functions as a service, functional computing as a service, you know, and so the, you, you get more and more of these like, you know, smaller pieces of software that people can harness and leverage and reconfigure in interesting ways. Okay, yeah, so there's been tremendous growth in the space. Um, you know, can this keep growing and why does it keep growing? What's, uh, you know, why do you think it's continuing to plug on and why do you think it'll keep going next year? Yeah, well, you know, as we talked uh, earlier here, uh, one of the reasons it keeps growing is because marketing itself continues to change. You know, there continues to be new innovations in how we engage with consumers. And yeah, anytime, you know, that environment changes, there's opportunities for new entrepreneurs in the MarTech space. But then you've also got, right, I mean, like software, the barriers to entry continue to get lower and lower. Anybody can create amazing software and get it distributed on, you know, state-of-the-art global infrastructure through Amazon, Google, Microsoft, you know. And then also there's the fact that, let's face it, you know, where, where the boundaries are to marketing also continue to get fuzzier. The uh, convergence between marketing and sales and marketing and customer service and people talking more about customer ops and that entire go-to-market stack rather than just the marketing stack. Uh, yeah, so you put all these things together in a cauldron and what you've got is, yeah, just all these forces that cause there to still be a tremendous amount uh, of innovation and startups in the MarTech space. All right, yeah, well, and talking about marketing drifting over to the customer service side, do you know why a prospect never bought your product or service or why your customers come to your site and then never come back? You don't have to guess based on vanity metrics. Make sure to ask. The team at Qualaroo specializes in helping companies like TripAdvisor, Ticketmaster, and Spotify get to the why by cultivating the right questions, segmenting the right audiences, and asking at the right moment in time. By looking at over 120 million responses from surveys on their clients' websites, they have curated the top questions that have received over 10,000 responses and at least a 20% response rate. And they're giving these questions away for free. You can get the guide now at uncoverwhy.com. It's a great resource. You know, if you've been surveying your website visitors and you, you know, use that feedback to direct both your customer service or your product marketing, 
this list of questions will put you on the right track and give you some proven questions that work as opposed to having to fish around in the dark for your first couple months working with the tool. So again, check it out at uncoverwhy.com and we thank them for their support of the show. Uh, all right. Wanted to talk about governance a bit because you had, last time we talked on marketing over coffee, you broke some new ground. I hadn't heard much talk of customer experience and governance. And then since then, of course, GDPR, everybody knows what this is all about. Now the whole world got to see it. Do you see more progression into the governance space or you know, what do you see with that part of things? Is it just continue to grow without end or is it, where else is that going to go? Yeah, it's a fascinating transition that's happened here. I mean, challenges around things like data quality and data governance. It's not that they were completely absent from marketing, but they were generally not very uh, highly prioritized in people's operations. And GDPR really forced the issue uh, for a large number of companies, right? They had to put these uh, governance mechanisms in place. And while that was, uh, you know, there was a lot of complaining going on about that. I actually think marketing is ending up in a better position as a result of this because, you know, having this, yeah, just sort of, you know, uh, deeper verification of what data we have, you know, when was the last time it was updated, you know, what are the sources that we got, you know, different data augmentation or different data enhancement from, just getting us to a place where, first of all, the data quality uh, is going to improve significantly. And then second of all, we're able to better serve customers. Uh, you know, we're hitting them, uh, you know, in ways that they've agreed to engage with us. The data that uh, we get from them by authenticating it a little bit more carefully, you know, we're in a position to make sure that, uh, you know, any sort of personalization that we're leveraging off of that is uh, based on a, a higher probability of truth. I think it's generally yeah, a, a very good thing for marketing now to be officially concerned uh, about data governance as a part of its uh, marketing ops mission. Yeah, it's funny. I had a, a situation last week where I, I got, you know, we get these email newsletters, you know, everybody gets them, you know, vendors are sending out stuff. And I was just like, you know, I don't remember these guys or whatever. And so I clicked through to unsubscribe and I was driven to a profile management page. You know, some of the better email service providers have these where you can kind of see the things you've been signed up for. And it was obvious that this company had no idea that this page here was, you know, publicly viewable because the segments I were in were like LinkedIn scrape and <laughs> a couple other <laughs> interesting titles that uh, would get them off track. So yes, I, you know, governance is just completely something that uh, will change the game and, and get more data there. Um, and it's interesting, you mentioned, you know, better personalization and getting things tighter to fit because it, that's another big topic from the past year now is more big data, more personalization, and of course, AI coming into that. What do you see on this big data front and on personalization? Is there anything new going on there? Anything exciting? So I think on the big data side, this is, I mean, the most exciting things I've seen there tend to be more on the machine learning side for um, helping us just get better insights, uh, getting better at segmenting customers. I mean, everything from like, you know, getting better at timing when we send them a particular email, you know, the, uh, the challenge with personalization continues to, of course, be, you know, that last mile of, you know, the actual content that gets matched to a particular subscriber 
you know, and then I, this isn't a technical problem. It, it's a content problem. So, you know, and like we're, we're used to, as human beings, we're still used to this notion of like, you know, the linear, you know, content model and like, okay, I've got a particular person in mind and here's how that content fits together in a narrative and a story, you know, and as you have these channels that allow a much more, uh, yeah, micro content elements to be stitched together into, you know, more personalized experience. It's just harder for marketers to visualize that and to create assets for that and sort of program, uh, you know, the actual personalization vehicles uh, to take full advantage of that. So uh, I, I think actually I look at that and while that's challenging, I think that's actually, again, one of these opportunities for just, you know, further innovation in marketing technology is to make that process easier, not just to execute, but easier to understand and manage. Yeah. And I love that idea. I've seen more and more of this now of, you know, it used to be that segmentation was just kind of the marketing department sitting around saying, okay, you know, this is the persona we want here and this is that persona. But to have the system actually come to you and say, look, here's where these people are clustered. Uh, that's a complete game changer, especially once you probably get beyond the first two or three to have a machine be able to find those patterns that you would never be able to notice just by sifting through the data by hand. That's can be a complete game changer. Yep. I think we've just seen the beginning of uh, how that's going to continue to advance. Yeah, it's one thing, you know, I totally see it as, you know, small to medium businesses getting that and, and making it more powerful. But then it's a whole different deal when you talk about like Amazon using something like that to see clusters or <laughs> that's, that's a whole nother deal. How about that's a good question I hadn't planned on, but I'd love to hear your take on this. It seems like there is this divide between, you know, small, medium business and the tools that they get. And then the stuff, the, you know, Fortune 500 use with, with just amounts of data where it's, you know, more data than the whole rest of the industry combined. Do you see anything interesting in those on that front up there or what's going on with, you know, with the huge companies? Yeah. So, I mean, when we think about companies and uh, the differences they uh, you know, have in technology and data, I mean, there's, uh, yeah, those up in the stratosphere like Amazon and Google and Facebook, they just you know, have access to such tremendous scale of consumer interactions that hard for really anyone else to match them. But I think if we get down to the next level between like, say, the Fortune 500 and all the other businesses in the world, you know, the Fortune 5 million, I actually think the gap between those has narrowed tremendously, at least from a technology perspective. I mean, you could argue that it has never been a better time to be a small business in the sophistication of technology and data that you have access to that, you know, through SaaS and all that competition happening in the MarTech landscape. I mean, there's just amazing tools and capabilities available to you. But the problem is not so much the technology, it's the, it's the talent, you know, I mean, the marketing tech and operations profession has advanced tremendously in the past five years, but it's still, a pretty niche uh, profession. And so while the Fortune 500 have been able to hire people uh, to run marketing tech and ops and really take advantage of all this technology, I think there are a lot of small to medium-sized businesses. They don't yet have access to the same talent. I think that's going to be the challenge for them over this next five years is sort of how do they uh, up-level, upgrade their uh, their teams to just have a better understanding of what technology is available to them and how they can leverage it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a great point. And for, in fact, I should, this is my first time going on the record. I will say this talking about, you know, systems that smaller businesses have access to being enterprise grade, you know, world-class 
I have been using HubSpot a lot lately and I've done tons of stuff in the past with Salesforce. So for me to say that some of the stuff I've seen from HubSpot and what I've been working with, the fact that it's replaced what I used to do a lot of stuff with Salesforce is a big deal. And so it's you're the right guy to talk to. Let's talk about that a little bit. You are looking over platform design, you know, kind of platform partners for HubSpot. So what's been going on on that front? Yeah, well, I, uh, I'll pass along your uh, kind words to the product team. They'll be very happy to hear that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, again, it, it, I mean, certainly HubSpot, uh, you know, has advanced tremendously this way, but it's not just HubSpot. You know, again, because of all the technology foundations that are out there now, you know, all the incredible open source uh, libraries, this amazing infrastructure as a service that's available from Amazon and Google and Microsoft, is you see these startup companies in the MarTech space just creating amazing, what we would have called enterprise grade products at just an incredible pace. And so, yeah, I mean, one of the things I get very excited about the work I'm doing at HubSpot in helping to grow their uh, platform ecosystem is, you know, for all the product work that HubSpot is doing, right? You know, it's still just a fraction of the universe. And so finding ways in which HubSpot can integrate with more of these other innovators uh, doing things all throughout the rest of the MarTech and sales tech landscapes. Yeah, I just continue to be amazed every week by seeing the things that people come up with. Yeah, and where to go. Okay, And now we have to talk about, because it's Q4, event season is on us in full force. Of course, with HubSpot, you've got inbound coming up. But October 1st to the 3rd, right down in the Heinz in Boston at the center of things. Um, what have you got cooking for the next uh, episode of MarTech? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I just uh, finished uh, going through the agenda, uh, writing like the, the big preview post uh, I do every uh, uh, before every one of these events. And I think the thing that has stood out to me is the maturity of companies and cases that are being described here. That I mean, over the years, right, you know, MarTech has been... I don't know, you know, like sort of that top quartile. It's been a very, uh, you know, uh, cutting edge, you know, early adopter. Like, you know, there's been some companies that have, you know, clearly embraced pushing the uh, envelope for, you know, marketing tech stacks and operations. But it was still kind of early adopter. And I think one of the things that I'm really excited about this MarTech is, you know, it's just a lot of companies uh, that are mature companies. Uh, they've created very mature uh, marketing tech and operations teams. The case studies we're getting into now, you know, it's uh, less of this sort of, oh, wow, this was this bleeding edge experimental thing we did here. And okay, this is actually how we rolled this out at scale and how we got governance for it. And, you know, I mean, the roadmap for this. And it's really fascinating to see this maturing MarTech into a real profession. <laughs> yeah, there's actually some real meat on the case studies. It's not just this is possible kind of stuff. Yes. And I kind of love that more. I mean, don't get me wrong. I always love the, you know, I mean, the forward thinking future. What could we do with, with all this AI, big data, you know, virtual reality? I mean, all that stuff is fun and all. But man, there's something about what actual real companies are actually doing today and getting results from that. I don't know. It just in some ways, I like that better. It, it, it's, it's real. Yeah. And well, and it's a huge boon for the shows, too, because now if people can know that they go to these events and will come home and be able next week to put something to work that they've learned there, then it's they have no trouble selling the value of those events. So you can see how these shows can keep churning along too. Uh, okay. And I'll take that as a good thing too. <laughs> <laughs> as extra upside. How about for the, the future for you? And, you know, obviously, so you've been working on these, the show 
agendas and what's going on. So you're, you're looking at stuff that's coming up over the next six months to a year. You know, what are you excited about? And of course, that doesn't have to be MarTech too either. Is there any other kind of tech that you've got your eye on or has got you excited? Well, you know, one of the things I'm learning a lot about is, uh, yeah, this, uh, this convergence between marketing and sales and customer service. Uh, very excited that we have uh, Nancy Narden, who created the sales tech landscape, sort of like a doppelganger of my MarTech landscape. Uh, she's going to be at the, the MarTech event here in October, just giving us a walkthrough of, hey, everything that marketers should know about sales tech, but we're afraid to ask, and all the you know cool ways in which these things can uh, work together. So that's fascinating. I expect to learn a lot uh, about the convergence of these different uh, you know, go to marketing ops uh, stacks in the next year. And I'm also pretty excited about this category of stuff I call citizen technology. We've got uh, things like Zapier that people are using to become citizen integrators that, you know, a non-IT person can like wire up connections between these cloud services. And there's a bunch of interesting platforms coming out for things like citizen developers. So, you know, a non-programmer can actually create pieces of software, just dragging and dropping things together. Citizen analysts who are using, you know, cool, uh, you know, the, the business intelligence software, everything from Tableau and Looker. It's just this democratization of technology that, you know, it's moving away from these, you know, sort of discipline experts, you know, in particular technologies to things where increasingly more power users uh, across marketing really can just do amazing things self-service on their own. I think that's going to be a really exciting uh, evolution of, you know, how marketing works and how these capabilities grow over the next few years. Oh, yeah, that's great. I, I will have to draft on that. Then since Nancy Narden's coming to town, we've worked with her before on a number of things. And yeah, she has a fantastic view of the sales landscape. It is funny. Yeah, you two guys together pretty much cover a great complementary set of stuff. So that'll be great. That will be uh, good to hear. We'll have to keep an eye on that. All right, that'll pretty much wrap it up for us for today. Before we go, I will mention uh, you can check out the interview with an in-talker over at Stack and Flow here. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. And then, yeah, if you're going to be over at Inbound, do tell Sean and I and send us a line because we'd love to catch up with you there. We've got a lot of stuff going on. And we'll be there. Scott, before we go, anything else? Uh, if people want to get in touch with you to learn more or if you got anything that you'd like to plug over the next couple of weeks? Sure. Well, uh, certainly, if you're going to be at Inbound, uh, let me know. I will be there in full force. And if you're interested in coming to MarTech uh, in October, uh, yeah, again, uh, new preview up here on ChiefMarTech.com. And of course, I'm at ChiefMarTech on Twitter. Reach out anytime. All right, great. That will do it for us for this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the stacks.